welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Another great week in the books. Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli, the Locks gang is all here. Time for your week three locks. Gentlemen, how are we doing? We are wonderful. We had a winning week last week, so I'm feeling good. Some of us had a winning week. Barton, how are those wounds? You've been licking them all week. Uh, I haven't slept since the weekend, if that's what you're asking. Really, I've been in this building since 7 a.m. on Sunday. I haven't left. I haven't left. I worked yesterday in this building for like 18 hours, and I slept here. That's just the way it is. I think sometimes when you play a weekend like that, you lose a weekend, a little bit of you dies. <laughs> you do die somewhat when you lose a weekend like that. You, uh, you, that's you, the way I feel. <laughs> that is, in fact, the pit tight end coach's approach to their loss over the weekend. I feel him. I'm in the same mental space as him. I've been grinding for three days trying to get these picks right to get it corrected. Uh, I'm ready. All right. Um, well, to recap the action from last week, Tom, as he mentioned, it was a winning week. He was 5-2 and two for week two. It included winning Stanford minus 5.5 against USC, winning Mississippi State on the road against Kansas State, which I can feel like, Tom, like the – the Bill Snyder Manhattan home dog, I, I think we just got to put that principle to bed. Well, you know, I, I did some further digging on it after we recorded the podcast. And while I can't remember what the record is overall right now, it turned out that as a home dog overall, he's done great. But when it was against a ranked team, I believe he was three and four. Mm. And now he's three and five. He's just totaled a bunch of wins against like Texas Tech as a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, a loss on South Carolina plus 10. The Gamecocks did not cover. Uh, no. a, and a loss on the Charlotte App State under 48. That's a heartbreaker. <laughs> what was the final score? Oh, uh, no, it was it went over pretty easily. Okay. Uh, it was just, that did not go according to plan. And the, But uh, what did go according to plan for Tom was a three-pack of wins, the under cashing in Bowling Green, Maryland. I believe that was a wonder. The under cashing in Northern Illinois, Utah. Uh, Utah unders are just amazing. And then uh, the under cashing in Colorado State, Arkansas at under 70, which maybe was a little bit of a sweat. What was that final score? Uh, it, I, it was, I think it ended up in the 60s. It, was, it wasn't a sweat at all until Colorado State began its comeback. And then it was like, oh, oh, God. Oh, no. Well, hey, Preston Williams, you know, loyal listeners of this podcast, they've been hearing about KJ Carter Samuels and Preston Williams all week, players that are making a buzz. But that leaves you five and two for the week, a net plus three, a nine and six record for the season, net plus three, and you are our leader. That's right. Get used to it. (laughs) All right. Barton, uh, again, no cover on South Carolina plus 10. A win on Duke plus three as Duke got the straight up win, a costly win at that one. Uh, Memphis minus seven was a loss. Navy ended up pulling out that win straight up. Uh, FIU minus one was a win. James Morgan, your boy, wasn't he actually the star of that game? Yeah, I think he did end up having a decent game. 
Uh, he, so yeah, maybe maybe James Morgan's got a shot after all. The James Morgan era. I love when I uh, you, you can catch that scrolling across Iowa State plus four. Uh, a, a, just a, a a low scoring loss. Iowa State never really able to punch it in uh, as they don't get the win or the cover. And then Michigan State minus six. Yee. Yeah. So the Michigan State one, and granted, they uh, look they very. I could have fall in a different way where they could have covered but in retrospect that was just a silly silly play by me late at night a lot of body clock issues going on there uh you know just a, that was just a silly game and the memphis one I actually in retrospect i think that I, I feel okay about the pick i just sort of consulted with tom's meteorologist uh because memphis <laughs> memphis struggles a little bit and those in that nasty weather and that 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 hampered them so but yeah, all in all, look, bad week. Two and four for Barton, uh, minus two on the week, bringing him to six, five, and one, net plus one. And then Chip, it wasn't a terrible week. We sprayed the board a little bit, but it was a negative week. And when you start off negative three, another negative week is not going to be good for you. Here were our losses. Uh, the under did not cash in South Carolina. Georgia, uh, Georgia made sure of that with their 21-point third quarter. Georgia Tech minus three. Uh, that was a, you know, you just go back and count up the special teams errors there. Plus, they all ended up losing their top rusher in that game. Not a great day for the Bees uh, down in Tampa. And we lost Wyoming plus 18, lost that one V badly, and lost Fresno State plus two and a half against Minnesota. In retrospect, probably a little bit too much of a gut play, but, you know, that's why we're here on the Locks podcast. Hey, that got, was a close game, though. That was a I close mean, that game. Was, that was sealed by an interception in the end zone at the end of the game. So you were very close to covering. Very yeah, close to covering. It, it took a spectacular interception for that not to go into overtime. Yeah. Um, our wins were Duke plus three along with Barton. Uh, the over in Penn State-Pittsburgh in spectacular fashion, thanks to Penn State running up the score late <laughs> in the game. And then Vandy minus eight and a half. Proved to me again the Commodores are a good football team. On the season, five and nine on the locks. That's a minus four. Uh, that is seven picks off the pace. Got some work to do, fellas. For real, though, thank God for hate getting you that over. I know. <laughs> yeah, just just James Franklin's spite and bitterness being what I have to thank for the fact that it was not uh, a two and five week for the second week in a row. All right, gentlemen, y'all ready to lock it up? Yes, sir. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five star locks are coming. Come get these locks. Five star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. All right, Tom, you are the leader, so you start us off. All right, quick point of order question. Can I make two picks from the same game? Yes. Of course. Cool. Just making sure because I've never done it before. Uh, we're going to start off. If you look, I've got seven picks total this week, two of them from the same game, and we'll start with the first one from that game. LSU plus nine and a half at Auburn. Hmm. I just, I mean, it's a situation to me where I'm expecting, and this could be in line with my next pick, right? Which is the under 
45 in LSU Auburn. I'm expecting both of these defenses to get the better of the day and for this to be a lower scoring affair, which makes that nine and a half points on the LSU side all the more attractive to me. I just, when I've seen these two teams play so far this year, I've the defenses have inspired more confidence in me than either offense has. And I just think that's going to be kind of the situation we're dealing with on Saturday. So you could parlay it if you want. I'm going to do separately the under 45 and LSU plus nine and a half. Uh, I, I, I would be on the opposite side of it if I was playing it like, and I'm on the opposite side of it on the, the spread and the uh, expert picks on CBS. And so I think where I, what I like, I Auburn, I feel like is, is a better team. This is at home. This is, uh, I think LSU is is getting overvalued by a lot of people based on beating a Miami team in a game that was, I think a little less dominant than the scoreboard indicates. But that said, when I as closer we got to this to this call here, the the more that nine and a half points just seemed like a lot of points. Um, so I'm I'm away I'm staying away from it. But I, I actually kind of like Auburn on the other side of this. Well, I'm definitely going against the trend because uh, the home team has covered the last four meetings in this series, and they play every year. So that's I'm bucking that trend a little bit here, but. I just like I said, I think it's going to be lower scoring. The under is four and zero in the last four games that they've played at Auburn, and I just think when your totals at forty five, nine and a half is a lot of those. That's you know that's a fifth of the points in the game according to Vegas. So I just I can't pass that up. Yeah, I don't. I, I consulted Tom, our old friend uh, Jerry Hinnon, for thoughts on this game, and and the first words out of his mouth were, uh, "I just don't know how many points LSU's offense is going to score." Now you know, are they going to get some short fields? Are they gonna is are they gonna get some gifts from uh, the punter like they did against Miami, where all of a sudden they're they're lining up for their first play of the drive on the opposing forty five yard line? I don't know. Uh, my score for this game is twenty three ten. I don't have a lock on it, but I love your underplay, and I think the underplay is what I feel really good about. I am nervous because, like Jerry said, I do think there's a ceiling to how many points. Uh, LSU is going to be able to score and Auburn's just a different team at Jordan Hare. It is, it has been in the last four or five years, one of the more striking home away splits for a team in terms of, you know, the, the highs they're able to reach when they're at home and then the just clunkers and 20 point leads that they'll blow when they're away from home. So I, I, I like your under lean, no lock from me, but I I'm actually on the opposite side too. Uh, thinking that, Auburn wins this game by like 10 to 13 points. You're so wrong. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, what do you got, Barton? All right. So we'll get this out of the way early in the show. Uh, I'm going to grab a Thursday night line, um, which has, has morphed into almost a Thursday afternoon line. Uh, Wake, BC. Uh, that game kicks at what five thirty Eastern now. It does, yes. But it is scheduled to kick, and unless it gets canceled uh, sometime between now and then, I really like BC in this matchup. Uh, and I looked at the weather; it looks like the rain may actually be kind of holding off, though it might be windy. Oh, it's uh, going to be windy. Yeah, yeah. So that that I think plays in my favor because. Wake 
I think is a little bit less equipped to just pound the rock, uh, where BC would love to do that. Um, but I just think this BC, this is the first, I think, opportunity to catch some BC value. Um, a team that I think, I know they've beaten nobodies, but I think when you watch them play, the athleticism is, like, it's, it is unique. I think that they really do have athletes on both sides of the football. Um, I think that they are, and again, I think that in, in a lot of ways, the weather that they're confronting in this game is, is, is in their favor. Uh, I just like BC to, to and, and I know, I'm well aware that Wake sort of has a history the last few matchups of, of um, being a good bet against the number, but I like BC in this matchup to just be a better team I think they win by 10 plus. Mm, wow. Because, and here's the other thing too. I'm usually wary about the, the weeknight dogs, home dogs. And I don't feel I, – I, I'd be a little bit skeptical. I'm a little bit um, – I don't necessarily expect some sort of rabid atmosphere that BC's got to deal with here. Uh, I, I just think BC's a better team. And, and again, I'm going to try to catch – some value on them early before people catch up to it. And another thing you might want to consider too is <clears throat> the human element in play in this game because Wake Forest has a lot more on its mind right now than Boston College does with yeah. the Florence situation. So that might be a distraction for them heading into the game. And they I mean they moved it up to Thursday afternoon. They want to get it in and get it over with so everybody can, you know, handle their business. So you don't know what kind of mindset Wake Forest and the coaches and the players really have this week preparing for the game. Wake Forest don't yep. let no kids from in-state into that school. <laughs> they just take Yankees. <laughs> Yay, in-state jokes. Uh, hey, man, I, I didn't put this down as a lock, but this over-under, you know, I'm going to end up having to get this out early because of travel. This over-under is moving north. Yeah. And my lean here is we've got a great opportunity uh, to go against that because yes, these are two teams that run up tempo, but with windy conditions and certainly I didn't watch, I guys, I didn't watch any of wake Towson, but uh, wake show wake had a lot of yards and not a lot of points to show for it. And so I wonder if there's some uh, value there on wake unders, like just based on the fact that they don't seem to be converting all these drives into touchdowns. Well, yeah, I think there's definitely value there. It's just, I'm not like, there's, it's going to be windy for sure. And that gives you wonder conditions. It's just, I think wonder conditions are more affecting of teams that air it out a lot. And I look at these two teams as other, they, you know, they've, they've had good quarterback play to this point so far this year. They're not exactly passing offenses and there's going to be a lot of, you know, they're oh. more setting the tone on the ground. So I don't know how much effect the wind will have on the total. I think Wake's a passing team. I think Wake yep. looks like yeah, I, I think Wake looks like a a weird like om, I mean they almost look big twelve ish at times right now. It's strange. It's a very it's a different it's a different look, and this is kind of the culmination of sort of where they've been trying to get in terms of loading up the wide receiver position to have difference makers and having the quarterback that can run it. But uh, with Greg Dorch and Sage Surratt, I think that uh, I don't know. It'll be an inch. I, I don't have any lock here either. But obviously, Boston College Wake Forest is very on brand. It's one of my favorite games of the week. Uh, do you have any, uh, Tom? No locks here. 
By no the way, locks what on we, this what, game. What's the consensus on this number at? Uh, because it's all over the I, board. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have it on my sheet as minus six, but as I'm looking at it right now, maybe minus four and a half. Yeah, I'll give um, you four and a half. That's the Vegas Insider consensus and what they got at Westgate. Yeah, right. I see it at four and a half some places and five others, but we can give you four and a half. I'll take it. We're friendly. <laughs> a, a, a V friendly. Shop around, kids. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll stick my pretty little nose in here. Uh, not a, not a thick book for me. And, uh, and maybe that's learning my lesson after going two and five and three and four, but I feel good about this one. And this is a principle that I mentioned earlier in the week on the podcast, and I'm going to see it through and I'm going to see it out. I'm going to ride Duke unders and see how it goes. Daniel Jones out of the lineup. Uh, they're going to be going with Gilbert, who is uh, not Gilbert. Excuse me, Gilbert's the defensive player who got injured. Um, we've we've. Quentin. What'd you say? Quentin. Quentin. Quentin Harris. Quentin Harris. Quentin Harris. Um, Quentin Harris at quarterback. Much more of a um, a rushing threat than Daniel Jones. Not as much of a passing threat as Daniel Jones. The defense is still sick and salty. I'm looking at this number at 49, and so I'm going to start uh, my Duke under train this weekend at Baylor with Duke Baylor under 49. I like it. This game interested me. I, I was I was tempted to play Baylor here um, just because I think Baylor will be improved. This is a big game for Baylor. It's at home. Duke's coming off Daniel Jones' injury. But the closer, again, this is one, the closer we got to this this call, the more I'm thinking, like, wait a minute. This seems like an, a, a bit of an extreme line for Baylor, who, who played a four-quarter game against UTSA. That, that wasn't some sort of backdoor, make-it-close-late type of deal. I mean, that was a four-quarter game. And it's not like, I mean, I, Quentin Harris is certainly not Daniel Jones, but I, I have some faith in, in uh, Cutcliffe to – to make that offense pretty competent with him. So th- this seems strange to me for Baylor to be favored by that much. So I, I definitely backed away from it. Under feels like a, a decent play to me. Um, though I do think Baylor has some a potential for some big plays. I'm just curious if, if, if Duke can really set the, the tempo of this game and, and, and have them play at their pace. I, I'm very fascinated by this game the uh the name not in addition to quentin harris the name that's going to be big is a guy named Britton brown who at times has been underwhelming in my opinion and at times has been a really solid runner who can get them five six seven yards a carry and that's what they're going to need to do because i just don't think third and ten third and twelve with quentin harris right now is a is is a winning proposition it's not a winning proposition for a lot of teams but uh, particularly as he gets settled into the offense. And as Duke tries to figure out, you know, what is this going to look like? Daniel Jones was the face of this season. He was the reason why you would buy into Duke. And now they're going to have to, you know, really, like, really, really uh, turn it into the scrape and claw and try and win games with uh, great defense and a solid rushing attack. So it'll be interesting to see how it works out. Um, let's go back to Tom. Uh, for my next pick, we're going a little smaller game than LSU-Auburn. I'm taking Tulane minus four at UAB. I've, I'm a big Tulane guy. I've been on the Tulane train since the offseason, and I'm, I'm pretty much this isn't – there isn't a ton of 
data behind this one or trends behind this one as much as this is just a gut feel. I think that Tulane is going to do pretty well, even in Birmingham against UAB this week. I just like the wave. Wow. I hope your early season gut bets go better than my early season Michigan USC <laughs> gut bets. I, I, for some reason, I have more faith in Willie Fritz than I do Clay Helton or Jim Harbaugh, which is amazing. But tr- but also, uh, you, you have more faith in him going up against UAB than Jim Harbaugh in the Big Ten East or uh, Clay Helton against the rest of the Pac-12. I mean, I guess I don't know. Do I? <laughs> are you? I mean, you have you? Have you totally like, lost your way? Are you? Are you just out on Michigan? No, I'm actually not out on Michigan. I'm just saying, like I roll, I, like I sort of took the same perspective Tom is taking right now, heading into the season. It's like, look, I believe in this team, and if I believe in this team, let's play it. And and both of those teams let me down. So I'm I'm hoping that Willie Fritz treats you better than than those guys treated me. I, I believe in my boy Willie. <laughs> Willie will treat me okay. I just yeah, I, I just it's not a knock on UAB. I just feel like that this Tulane team, it looked good against Wake. It ended up losing by six, but it wasn't it was a close fought game. It looked I mean last week you don't want to put too much in a forty two seventeen win over Nichols, but that's the same Nichols team that a week before beat Kansas. And they completely, you know, annihilated them one by twenty five. So I just I, I think this team is playing well to start the season, and I just I like it going on the road against UAB. Uh, all right, Barton, what you got? Uh, let's see. I got my guy. It's time to it's time to just get back to the basics. Get back to the guy that's made me all kinds of money, uh, Scott Frost. And uh, I, I, well, he wouldn't have made me money last week, but I, I have a feeling he's going to get it back this week. He's got Troy. That line, I believe, last I checked, was up to like 11 and a half. I think it opened at 7 and a half. Uh, so I'm taking Nebraska laying 11 and a half against a good mid-major Troy team. But here's the thing. I watched Troy-Boise State, and Boise State obviously— awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Boise State's pretty good, and they they rolled against Troy. But it, one thing that kind of struck me was Troy just doesn't look very athletic on defense. Like, I, I still think they're well coached. Neil Brown's still everything we thought he was. They just don't look athletic on defense. And I think this Nebraska team, say what you will about this Nebraska team, they are athletic on offense, and they can make plays on offense. And so I think... Last week was a, I mean, they, Nebraska, not that they weren't hungry otherwise, but I mean, having that one slip away from them against Colorado in their, their home debut, uh, they get a makeup opportunity here with Troy coming to town. I think that they're going to really be hungry to make this a, a statement type of game. And I just think Troy is doesn't quite have the horses to run with a Nebraska team that I think is probably pretty good. And I was impressed with Nebraska defense like it looked like a defense that was that was um pretty competent last week so i i like nebraska laying the points um i think it's at 11 and a half i'll roll with that yeah i'm not yeah, gonna they, argue with you on that one yeah they, they lost last week but i just thought from watching that game against colorado that they even in the loss they they were clearly a better looking team than they had been the last few years under mike riley the uh no, no other picks on Nebraska. Tom, you got anything? I've got nothing for that game in particular. No. Okay. 
Let's go ahead and get it. Let's let's go ahead and get it. This is this is not where we're normally living, but it's definitely where we've landed. Alabama Ole Miss over seventy one. Let's buckle up and go. <laughs> I like that, man. I do, I just I think that Ole Miss can score twenty one. And if I think that Ole Miss can score 21, I definitely think Alabama will score 50 because two is on the field. And every time two is on the field, I think Alabama can score 50. I think that's a, I think that's a great thought process. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm mad I didn't think about it. Like I'm on board with that. This Ole Miss team is all the way real yes. on offense. All the way real on offense. And Alabama is might be the best offense in the country and Ole Miss defense sucks. Yeah. I mean, what they what did uh what did they just get hung on them? 40 points? At least it yeah, touched 50. By Southern know. Illinois. By the Salukis. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I mean, I, look, it's is I actually have I think I've actually picked in our expert picks Ole Miss covering this, which is a little scary and, th- and that's not a lock at all like not even sniffing that kind of confidence but like I just think Ole Miss this could be a shoot like when Alabama gets in into some sort of competitive games it's when there's sort of shootouts so unless Nick Saban sort of has some game plan where he rolls out Jalen Hurts this week and he just tries to squeeze the clock and shorten the game and get out of the, get out of Oxford alive if, if who is playing the most majority of the snaps I, I just don't see how this isn't an overplay here's here's my concern about it though I, I believe Ole Miss's offense is good too we saw it last year and we've seen it so far this year it's just let's remember who Ole Miss has played they played Texas Tech and Southern Illinois and the offense has looked amazing against them but it was Texas Tech and Southern Illinois not exactly two defensive juggernauts and now they're going to face Alabama now that said I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if they get 21 points at all. And I, I think that you're more than anything you're relying on Alabama to put up a boatload of points. And seeing the Ole Miss defense, right? I certainly would never <laughs> feel comfortable betting it under with Ole Miss playing in the game. So I, I mean, Barton, you were the one who even threw it out on Twitter. You were just like, "Oh man, Ole Miss overs. A lot of them are cashing this year." All right. Here, here's the other thing about this game. Like here, here's here's the devil's advocate to me of how it doesn't hit. This does this over doesn't hit if Ole Miss just gets run out of the gym so hard in the first half that like by the second half, Matt Luke's like, you know what, we got a long season to go. Let's let's pull our guys. Let's let's just make sure we don't get anybody hurt. And then maybe the Ole Miss defense or Ole Miss offense doesn't get theirs. But I still think and and Tom, I hear you that they haven't played anybody. But the way Ole Miss scores and moves the football is about the only way you can move the football in Alabama, which is go downfield and throw a 50-50 ball to a 6-4 freak. Yeah. And they've got 6-4 freaks. And they can and, and you can't drive the football in Alabama. I don't know that anybody can regularly. But you can throw it up and let athletes be a better athlete than the guy across from them. And D.K. Metcalf and A.J. Brown – and Demarcus Lodge, I mean, those guys can out-athlete even guys at Alabama here and there. So, I, look, I'm not even going to play this. I, I just like I just like where your head's at on it. 
All right. So I uh, got old, I got a, a Duke under and a Bama over. What a weird world to be in. <laughs> um, uh, let's go, Barton. Back to you. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with – I'm going to go high profile here. I got a couple of games, but I'm going to go another high profile game. I'm going to go to Salt Lake City. Mm. And, I, and I'm wondering if I might catch – a fellow, uh, a fellow syndicate member on this alongside with me. I'm going under the 47 and a half Washington at Utah. I like Utah a lot. I like the home dog play. I love Utah's defense, and yet I'm I'm not quite ready to go ahead and pull the trigger on Utah covering or winning. But I am ready to pull the trigger on Utah being able to limit Washington offensively. And I think Utah is going to have a hard time moving the ball on Washington as well. So I'm going to go under under 47 and a half is what I last saw that. One thing I, I kind of caught my attention, you guys realize Oregon State is 18th in the nation in yards per play right now on offense. Two yes. games. One of those games was against an FCS opponent, sure. But the other game was against Ohio State. And Jonathan Smith may be pretty dang good at this offense stuff, mm. and he and he's no longer the offensive coordinator at Washington. I just think you know, new offensive coordinator, Bush Hamden, uh, a, a scary environment. Uh, I think a really legitimately big time game, and I think it plays uh, below the number at forty seven and a half. Are you on it, Tom? I am not on it, although I I appreciate the spirit behind the pick. My, <laughs> it's not a lock for me, but in anything in this game for me, I'm more on Utah plus the points. Oh man, I'm scared off of that one too. All right, so I'm I lean your way, Barton. If I'm making a pick in this game, six and a half just felt like it was begging for you to take Utah plus six and a half. But this is a, a Utah team. Like it, they were right there. They had a seven point lead with two minutes left last year. And Washington just stole it. And I think they've only beaten Washington once in 11 tries, five of them as Pac-12 opponents. And so I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, okay, uh, check mark for Utah's defense being able to have an advantage against Washington's offense. Check mark for special teams because Utah's got the best kicker-punter situation in the country. It's the uh, it's like that last piece where I am I'm wondering if Washington wins this game seventeen to ten. See, here's some trends just from this series. Last four games have all gone over, and the underdog has covered the last five. Wow. So, I like the under too. I'm not I'm not sitting there saying I would even dream of taking the over because I think the under makes more sense when you're betting the total on this game. I just. I like Utah better as a play simply also because with Washington, with the, you know, not having Trey Adams at left tackle, this is a good Utah defense and Utah typically plays well at home at night against these kinds of teams. Cause you know, they get really, really fired up for these games. there in the must. So I just, I, I don't, I'm not calling a Utah upset, but I will just say that if Utah wins this game, I won't be surprised. And I'm somebody who had, you know, Washington, in the playoff before the season started. But of course that was before they lost their left tackle. So I just, from what I've seen of Washington offensively so far this season, like 
Barrett Barton was uh, I can't think of the word alluding talking. There we go. Look at you. Yeah. Since Jonathan Smith, you know that that could be a key loss for them that we weren't really considering going into the season. So yeah, I I just haven't been all that impressed with the Washington offense at this point. The offensive line has been a problem, and this Utah team is really tough at home. Yeah, I had to write this pick story for CBSSports.com, and as I was writing it, I think I did end up taking Utah plus six and a half in the in the picks prediction part, and it, it occurred to me I was like, this might be the weekend that Washington eliminates itself from the college football playoff. That yeah, I've go ahead. Our CBS expert picks. I am picking Washington to win the game. I'm sorry, I'm picking Utah to win the game. Straight up. Straight up. Yeah, this is. I mean, like this is the perfect spot where, you know, you were right there against Auburn, and this is probably going to be another like right there kind of game, low scoring, and then they're going to finish the year ten and two, but outside of the college football playoff picture, all because of games like this. Uh, who knows though? We will see. Let's go back to Tom. Uh, my next pick is an under. It is Minnesota, Miami, Ohio, under 46 and a half. Minnesota suffered a big loss. Rodney Smith, their workhorse running back, is done for the rest of the year. And, you know, they've got a freshman quarterback, and now he's lost the guy he's been able to lean on through two games. And anyway, even with Rodney Smith playing so far this year, Minnesota's offense has not exactly been explosive. So I expect a even more conservative approach to this game against a team that Minnesota should beat, but it's so young that we can't assume anything. I just think that this is going to be a lower scoring affair and it's going to be somewhat of a sweat because, you know, the total is only 46 and a half. Right. So that's always a little scary, but I just think this is like a 20 to 13, 20 to 10 kind of win for Minnesota where they're just going to, do as much as they have to to get there, get the win, and get out. I haven't gotten a chance to watch Eric K's Miami Redhawks yet this year. Have you, what's uh, what do they look like? Uh, I mean, they looked they hit, they don't they look like a middle tier MAC team. Yeah, I don't think they're bad, but I don't think they're like a MAC contender either. I think they're a team that's going to maybe flirt with six and six and get to a bowl game. Well, I mean, we already patted them on the head for making a bowl game. And so now they've got to do the next step, which is like make one regularly. Yeah. And once they get into Mac play, they might all of a sudden look better than they have to this point. But I just, from what, it's not like I've sit and watched every play of their two games so far. But when I have seen them, I'm just kind of like, oh, okay. In the name, in the principle of fading the, uh, the big emotional win on the final week, on the following week, especially going up against a team that's rock solid. And coached by Rocky Long. I'm going to go San Diego State plus five. Uh, like we talked about Jawan Washington here on the podcast earlier in the week. Uh, just a, a steady presence at running back. That combined with a defense that I... they San Diego State might not have uh, all of the answers for Nikhil Harry. Certainly J.J. Arcega-Whiteside was able to light up the, the stat box with his performance against the Aztecs. But with just a, a, a very, very consistent San Diego State program and San Diego State team and Arizona State coming off that Michigan State win, you know, maybe some of this is me catching value. Maybe some of it is let down. But at, uh, at, at more than a field goal, I'm, I'm going to ride with the Aztecs. And I actually probably think that San Diego State might win this game. Yeah, I would 
I mean, I, I, I enjoy the principle of definitely fading after all the attention for Herm Edwards in Arizona State. But this is definitely fading the public because right now it's 80% of the bets are on Arizona State. So if, if you're a listener, maybe you might want to wait a little longer because the line is at minus five right now. But you wait another day or two and you might be able to get five and a half or six with the Aztecs. Ooh. Love fade the public. Uh, Barton. The only th- I I was almost on that, or I I put that out on my big list anyways. The only thing that that scared me away or I kept envisioning was, you know, Stanford's – San Diego State just didn't have the guys to deal with Stanford's size and athleticism on the outside. And Arizona State's got some size and athleticism on the outside too. So that was what kept me in check there. But I I agree with all of your, your principles on that front as well. All right, Barton, what's your next lock? Uh, let's see. On my list up here. All right, I'm going to go go the ultimate body clock game. <laughs> Hawaii at Army? You know it, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you know it. Army's laying six and a half with Hawaii coming in to play a 6 a.m. local time game. And by the way, why is Army only a six and a half point favorite? even if they're at like a neutral site somewhere in like New Mexico or something like this is our army's a pretty good team and Hawaii beats a couple of, I know they beat Navy, but again, Hey, that was a Navy long road trip. Um, I'm not going to give them, I'm not going to pat them on the back too much for a, a, a win against Colorado state and who else they beat New Mexico state or somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this army team is a good team, a disciplined team. I think that, um, that they're a team that is going to take advantage of the, the cobwebs in the eyes of those Hawaiian warriors uh, in the morning. And I think Army's going to roll and, and, and kind of bring Hawaii back down to earth a little bit. I think everybody's getting a little too excited about Cole McDonald. Here's my concern. And I, I, I also agree the body clock factor is huge. Now Hawaii gets to know what it's like to be up at 6 a.m. watching Hawaii football, not just us. But <laughs> – Hawaii's already played Navy, so they've already prepared for and dealt with an option team. So it's not like most teams where you know you have to. It's it's not new to them. It's not a foreign concept. And also, I just kind of have PTSD of seeing what Hawaii's offense did to the Navy defense, and I feel like as far as athletically, Army's defense is similar to Navy's and what they have back there and what they're used to being able to deal with. And Hawaii's offense is kind of like having to deal with an option offense because you don't really see the run and shoot anymore. So this is something that teams don't typically prepare for on a weekly basis. So this is new for Army as well as it is just for, you know, whereas Hawaii has experience with that option option offense already. And it's just spreading them out and being able to throw all over the field. That is a concern for me. I, I lean Army as well, but I, I'm not making it a lock just because that, that Hawaii-Navy game is too close in memory for me. I'll tell you what, though. I think that Army impressed me a little bit with the way it handled Liberty because that was a line and a matchup that I had circled just out of out of curiosity because, you know, you can never count out Buckshot Calvert. Um, uh, no. And they, let's see, there was one charge in the third quarter, I think, where it looked like Liberty was going to climb back into the game after Army really established itself early. Uh, Army withstood that and then held on for the big win that's, I mean, there's a lot of athleticism and chuck it around the yard going on there. If if that's the case, then I, I think that 
maybe my doubts about what this army team could be in terms of thinking it's going to take a big step back. I, I was obviously wrong on that one. If army, if army does get this cover here, Barton, and you get the win, I, I will look at it similarly where I will be impressed and uh, with what Jeff Monken and this group have done uh, going after uh, such a big banner breakthrough type season. So Tom, how many you got left? Let's see. I have three left. Ooh. Okay. You next. I am going to take Ohio at Virginia under 51 and a half. Just this is a style type prediction for me. There's no trends or anything behind it. I just look at these two teams and how they prefer to play, how they prefer to run things on offense. And I just see this being a defensive kind of rock fight type of situation. And I think 51 and a half points is just a bit too much. Playing that one in, uh, in, in Coach Simmons' backyard, Dudley Field. Vanderbilt Stadium, neutral site, free tickets, apparently. Are they free? Yeah. I think, Let's I all go. I think I saw they're free. Yeah. The, so uh, come on down. You guys want to stay in, stay in the guest room. Okay. What oh, also, wonder conditions. Slight. In Nashville? Uh, for Ohio versus Virginia, yeah. There's going to be 12-mile-an-hour winds. Mm. Crosswinds. Crosswinds in, in Nashville? Yeah. Interesting. All right. Whole, whole uh, geothermal system getting mixed up by flow. I go kite flying this weekend. You should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barton, what you got? Uh, let's see. I'm gonna go with a uh, so Arkansas. Ooh. Just uh, lost a clunker to Colorado State last weekend. And yet they still come out this weekend open as a nine and a half point favorite over North Texas. That number is down to seven. Um, I am taking North Texas in the points. I like that. And in some ways, like I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm encouraged that I appear to be well in the minority. It, it looks like 89% of the public from what I'm seeing is on Arkansas, which is which is great news for me. I like seeing that. Um, and look, North Texas is a pretty good team. Um, Colorado State, and and I, I there are some extenuating circumstances in that Colorado State game in the sense that they just got hot. Arkansas clinched up a little bit, and and you know they just sort of gave it away. But I think North Texas is a significantly better team. Than Arkansas, I mean, I'm sorry, the Colorado State, um, and Arkansas. I would feel, you know, that Arkansas is not bad against the run. They're not bad up front, but they had some issues defending the pass last weekend, and and that's that's not a good thing uh, when uh, when North Texas is coming to town. So I'm going to take North Texas uh, my uh, plus seven. Mm. I like it. I think North Texas is the second best team in Conference USA. So they should not be uh, that much of an underdog to the seventh place team in the SEC West. Yeah, I feel like there's a little bit of. I was just looking back at Arkansas' schedule last year, and they didn't have like an impressive game all year. I mean, they played a couple teams close, but they didn't really beat anybody. And they, the only teams that they did beat were 
I just like I, I, my point being is like, why should we just assume, particularly as we're going through a, a coaching and schematic transition, why should we just assume that Arkansas, because they're in the SEC, is better than North Texas, who's who looks like one of the better group of five teams in the country? Um, I think that that's a I think that's a misguided assumption. Yeah, I can't I can't trust Arkansas after last week. Yeah, untrustworthy. Uh, before we go any farther, uh, just some leans on some big games, unless someone's got a lock. Ohio State, TCU, anyone locking it up? No locks. No, no locks. locks. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm playing it in the expert picks. I've got TCU, but I'm not confident because Ohio State might just be the best team in the country. Like, they, they could be that good. So, I don't know how you have any confidence fading Ohio State right now. Yeah, I'm on Ohio State in the expert picks, but it's not a confident pick. I started the week talking about why would you pick against Gary Patterson as a double-digit dog, and as we sit here on Wednesday afternoon, I kind of think Ohio State wins by 20. Just yeah. feels like 45-21. And part of it for me, too, is that even though they won by 30 and it was kind of in crappy conditions – I just haven't been all that impressed with what I've seen of the TCU offense. Mm. It seems somewhat one-dimensional so far at this point. Where I, I trust Robinson more as a runner than I do as a passer this far, and I feel like against a defense that's as, as athletic as Ohio State's, maybe they could take that away from him and force him to be a pocket passer, and maybe that could be bad for TCU over a 60-minute course. What's your feel for this game, Barton? I, You know, I'm... I'm like you guys in the sense like I've, I've I like TCU here, and then but just the more the closer we get to it, the more it feels like sort of the the like Mississippi State Kansas State was like the junior version of this game, like <laughs> yeah, it feels like Kansas State's going to cover because they cover these sort of games. But then you really start thinking about it, it's like well this Mississippi State just is just too athletic and too big and too strong. That could be what we get into with this game. Um, but as we sit here today, my inclination on on our expert picks, you know, for the ones I got to take, is just to keep to, to just sort of trust in Gary Patterson, trust that they make some big plays and keep it close. But I don't feel confident in it. What about USC Texas? Ugh. I mean, there, no one should be taking a lock on this game. No one should pick this game. Everyone no. should watch this game. But there is zero that I've seen from USC or Texas that indicates that either is trustworthiness of a lock status. Yeah, I, w- I would take the under if I took anything. But yes. I don't. When that line came out, I was just like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> do I trust Texas as a three-point favorite or do I trust USC as a three-point dog? What if I don't trust any of them? Yeah. And you could tell that line when they said it was a complete and total cop-out because they probably felt the exact same way. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and Boise State, Oklahoma State, anyone taking a lock on this one? No. I think Boise uh, State wins. I didn't take a lock, but it was on my big sheet that I pared down. I, I also lean Boise State winning. Yeah. Me too. And, um, and because we said that, none of us took it as a lock. The Broncos have, will win. So congratulations to Boise State on your college football playoff resume building win. But yeah. next week we could also be like, told you so. That's right. That's true. We, we kind of told you so. So that, I mean, and also if it's plus two and a half, like 
why not why not just wait and take that thing on the money line right yeah yeah go get that plus value um all right so my final i'm only going with a four pack my final lock of week three missouri minus six and a half on the road against purdue i, I dig it yeah i mean it's i've i'm not thinking that uh Purdue, which blasted Missouri in this early season meeting a year ago, uh, is anything right where they were uh, last season. I am also kind of, as I've been hinting at throughout the week on the podcast, I am starting to buy into the idea that Missouri might be the second best team in the SEC East. And so I'm going to follow my inclination here, thinking that if I'm getting under a touchdown value on a team that I feel good about going on the road and getting a win, uh, let's ride with Drew Locke, Emmanuel Hall, and this Missouri offense. So I'm going to take Missouri minus six and a half. I say that, you know, they probably win this game uh, 30, like 35-21 or something like that. Maybe they win by double digits, but at six and a half, I like it. Yeah, I think Missouri is the better team, but I, you know, but I think Jeff Brom is too good of a coach to just let everybody come and beat him in all these close games. So I'm, I'm, I'm scared to take it. Uh, but I'm with you, Missouri being the better team, and and uh, this will be a this will be a chance for them to get a little revenge from last year. Uh, and I'm done. I'm I'm tapped out there. Who's who's got the most left? I've got two. Okay, Tom. Uh, my next play is a wonder. A very Ooh. you know in the general sense, in the actual definable sense, I'm taking the under in Oregon State at Nevada or Nevada. I don't want to get yelled at (laughs) under 70 Uh, current conditions. Weather wise call for, and then these are some high winds kids crosswinds at that 17 or between 15 and 17 mile an hour crosswinds during the game. And the totals at 71. So seems pretty obvious to me here. (laughs) I'm going to play the wind I'm going to take the under. And honestly, I like the under in this game, even if it wasn't super windy. But then when I saw the forecast, I fell in love and locked it up. I never thought that I would hear about someone falling in love with Oregon State, Nevada. But here we are. Lock it up. Lock it up. Barton. And the win win plus 70 on that game. (laughs) Uh, I I actually considered playing Oregon State plus three and a half. what's, What's with all the Nevada love? Nevada. I don't know. Excuse me. Why? Why? Why are we? The Nevada was th- a three-win team last year, and they just got ran out of Nashville by Vanderbilt, who's not been a juggernaut offensively in in a long time. Um, I, I was. There's just not enough. This is out of my wheelhouse. I don't typically play teams sight unseen. Like I, I, I like to play teams who I've gotten a good feel for, and so I my gut can get in the mix here. But I was tempted to play Oregon State plus three and a half because what the hell is the deal with Nevada? Why, we, why do you think they're better than a team that's that put up 31 points on Ohio State? That that 53-point win over Portland State really really said a lot. Really turned the tides. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on that one and, and keep that in the in the, the cyber sphere for me to get some karma on it maybe. But I will play Oklahoma at Iowa State. And I've toyed with where where to play this. I've thought about playing Iowa State plus 17. I'm backing off of that. Instead, I'm just going to play under 56. Like it. I think that's yeah, the I like move. That too. Like this is 
as I envision this playing out, like under 56, or if it goes over 56, it means that, like, I don't, this isn't going to be a shootout. This isn't going to be a 38 31 game like last year. Um, I, at least I don't think it will be. So, what's the alternative to that? Uh, okay, maybe Oklahoma blows Iowa State out or wins by 20, 24 or something like that. Even if that happens, I, I see this more as a you know a thirty-one to seven or even thirty-one to fourteen type of game. Um, I think Iowa State is physical enough to control the tempo. It's a it's a sleepy morning game. It's and I think that Iowa and I trust Iowa State that they've that they're a hard nosed enough team to make this a competitive game. So I think it's a competitive game under the number for at least a while. I like the under. And by the way, I was looking at this like Matt Campbell last year. Again, I, I'm not playing the, the the plus 17, but I was tempted. Last year, Iowa State was nine three and one against the spread, and their three losses against the spread were by a combined eight points. Two of them by one point off the spread. So like this is a this isn't a guy that's not his team isn't going to show up. And so I just think that the way this game will play out, it'll it'll favor the under. That's the play. I think yeah, so. I like it. Yeah. Uh, and are you tapped out, or you got another? Uh, I am. The other, there were three others that I was considering. It was the Oregon State game, which I'm, I don't think I'm going to play. It was the Boise State game, which I don't know. Maybe I bet by the end of this little soliloquy, I'll, I'll pony up to. Uh, and then the other one I was considering was an over 56 in Colorado State at Florida. Uh, you know what? Let's let's roll it. Up. Yeah. <laughs> I can't play an under and not play an over. I'm going to play over 56. I I think I think Florida State or I think Florida wins this game and probably wins it pretty easily, but I think Colorado State gets some gets a backdoor touchdown or two that gets them over the number because there's, if there's one thing Colorado State likes to do, it's just unleash Preston Williams late in games and just start throwing it up to him. I think they get a touchdown or two. So we'll go over 56 for that game. Dig it. Uh, all right, Tom, what's your, what's your final pick? My final pick is Kent State plus 35 Lord. against Penn State. And my thought process for this is – Penn State obviously had the you know big rivalry game last week, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of a letdown coming off crushing your rival to come home and play Kent State. But it's also the fact that I've seen Kent State play one game this year against Illinois, and then last week they, you know, they crushed Howard. And I know that Howard is an FCS team, but it's also the same Howard team led by Kalen Newton, Cam Newton's younger brother, which beat UNLV and has done you know, pretty well in the last few years against FBS opponents, and Kent State crushed it. And if you look, in 2017, this is a Kent State team that averaged 12.8 points a game. It's averaging 39 points a game this year. It looked really good against Illinois. It lost that game 31-24, to and then it scored 54 points against Howard last week. And at quarterback, you know, the, the Woody Barrett, the transfer in there, has looked really good. And I just feel like this is a Kent State offense that they're not going to come close to beating Penn State, but they're gonna be they're gonna have enough success and put enough points on the board to stay within thirty five against Penn State this weekend. You know what, folks, that's why you listen to this podcast 
Because no one else is out there telling you to lock up Kent State plus 35 and a half. And that is solid reasoning. It's I'm telling you, this is a team. My takeaway from Kent State is, hey, this once they get into Mac play, this might be, you know, the surprise Mac team. I like it. God, I don't like it. That's that inside. We're going to be riding Kent State in Mac play on these Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Just a Maction cover God through uh, until they lose to Northern it, Illinois or something. Yeah, you know, it pays to watch Kent State, Illinois in week one. <laughs> yes. You know, people think that you're just doing that. Ju- that that's hard work that is putting in the effort to pay off two weeks later. Good, well, well played. It's an investment. <laughs> it is an investment. Okay, uh, let's recap. Tom's card looks like this. LSU plus nine and a half and the under 45 in LSU Auburn. Tulane minus four. Under in Minnesota. Wait. Minnesota, Min- Miami. Yeah, Minnesota, Miami, 46 and a half. Under 53 and a half, Ohio, UVA, and Kent State plus 35. Oh, and, and the under in Oregon State, Nevada, 71. And, and the under in Oregon State, Nevada at 71. Barton's card, Boston College minus four and a half. Go ahead and run and get that in. It's a Thursday afternoon game. Nebraska minus 11 and a half. Wisconsin, I mean, Washington, Utah under 47 and a half. It's Army minus six and a half. The under 56 in Iowa State, Oklahoma, noon kick on Saturday. The over 56 in Florida, Colorado State. And Chip's card, just a, just a four-pack, just a four-pack of tall boys. Uh, under 49 in Duke Baylor. Over 71 in Alabama Ole Miss, San Diego State plus five, and Missouri minus six and a half. Uh, anything else from the cutting room floor you just want to get out into the ether? It worked for Colorado and Nebraska. Uh, let's see. What did I, did I have anything left? I, I kind of like Central Michigan plus 14 against Northern Illinois. I just haven't been very impressed at all with the Northern Illinois offense and two touchdowns seems like a lot to cover, but I can't lock it up after watching Central Michigan lose to Kansas. I can't decide if I'm going if like I, I I think it goes one of two ways. I think Notre Dame either beats Vanderbilt by a touchdown or wins by twenty four, and I don't know which one it's gonna be. But yeah. if, if you can get fourteen in a hook and you really are believing in the doors, that might be a play. You got anything for the yeah. ether, Barton? That's it. I put them out there. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get stung for not trusting my gut on Boise State plus three and a half. But I just, I just can't get there. So I'll lay off. All right. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. He is Tom Vernelli. You can follow him at Tom Vernelli. I am Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. My blue plate special five star locks are coming. Come get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks. I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover.